Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, the podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're chatting with Fiona Sharp in one of our expert fireside chats. Hi Fiona. Hi Ian. You okay today? I'm really good, thank you. Um, How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm really good actually. Um, so it's Tuesday after the bank holiday that we're recording this on. Um, so it feels a little bit unusual. So I packed the kids off to school this morning. Um, but it just it just has that kind of Monday vibe to it. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased I've got a podcast recording in because that always sort of elevates my energy levels quite a lot. And I'm really, really looking forward to this one today. Uh, we haven't had a podcast talking about change so far uh, for future leaders. So I'm really, really keen on getting under the bonnet of change and, and listening to what you've got to say about it. So no pressure whatsoever on that one. I'm really excited, Ian. Like you, I'm happy. It's only a four-day week. And what better way to start my week than speaking <laughs> to you? Oh, nice. Nice of you to say. So so jumping straight in then, Fiona, um, tell me what brought you into the wonderful and weird world of change. Okay, so I suppose it all started um, when I started began my operational excellence training. So going yeah. back to 2012, mm-hmm. um, I just loved it. I took to it like a fish to water, loved all the different methodologies um, and scored the highest accolade actually for three consecutive years as a result oh, wow. from, um, you know, the testing that went on following my training. Yeah. Um, I just knew from that and the way I worked with my team at that time that I could do things differently. I just had a real good knack of being able to bring people along with me, which is obviously very, very helpful. Yes. Um, And then I got into lean thinking and did a um, lean management course. And I think that was that. So I've got a huge passion for people. And the very fact that lean management includes everybody, you know, it's not just, it's just not direction from the top down. It's, everybody's ideas from the bottom up and what you could get from that and seeing how much people benefited from just being listened to I suppose and their ideas um, you know we was able to explore people's ideas I I just love lean management and I think for me I've seen change done to people Ian Um, I've been that people um, and I just thought that's not the best way to do it. It's not the best way to land change, but most importantly, embed change. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to try my way. Yeah. And I suppose we're in a world now as well where change or be changed. So disrupt <laughs> or be disruptive. And yes. I suppose that's me. I'm a positive disruptor. And I just wanted to take that energy into the world of change. Wow. Do you know, there's a there's something you just said there that um, really interests me. You talk about change being embedded, um, and I guess there's that there's that sort of comparison of delivering change versus embedding. And I guess yeah. I've got a view of if you've embedded it, there's a legacy, there's a it's lasting, it's 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 been adopted by the team that you've delivered it to or the business you've delivered it to, rather than just hey. I'm the change lead on this. I'm going to deliver the change into the business and I'm going to walk away. I've done my job, tick, 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 off I go. Yeah. So 
I think for me, the way like you can truly embed change is to get as many hands on deck as possible. Mm-hmm. Get people beyond your usual suspects within your organisation to help deliver your change. That helps embed your change. The more eyes you've got to see, the more brains you've got to think, and the more hands you've got to actually do and make your change efforts land and work and embed, the better. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that that is my philosophy get as mm-hmm. many people involved as possible change agents like you said yourself you're a change agent Ian you, you, you'll find there's a lot of change agents within the business and if you if you deliver that concept where as many people can get involved as possible because they want to not because they have to then yeah. you really are onto a winner and you're so much more likely for your change to be embedded because you're right you can force change um that that makes people very afraid actually um you've got to have your strategy in place you, you know you've got to communicate you've got to you, you've you've just got to get your messages out there um mm. and you've got to make that positive and you've got to make people feel positive and to do that as i said get as many hands on deck as you can and also go out and get the people that you think are most likely to resist your changes because if you can get them on board and turn those around, you know you, you've, you've got a winning formula. Yeah, no, that's good good advice. Um, just a good little segue into the next question, which is um, to talk about uh, a change project that you learned the most from. Good, good or bad, I suppose, but just some, a project you've learned the most from. Okay, so um, I spent 17 years in the energy industry and... Um, that's where my change career began. You know, I went from management to leadership. I went into um, service delivery um, and found change. And without a shadow of a doubt, it was smart metering in the DCC. I mean, what a change. It's probably the biggest change the industry has seen since privatisation. Yes. Um, and the target was to get 56 million-ish smart meters installed. <laughs> Yeah, not, 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 not a small target. Not a small change at all. And of course, there was, um, you know, having to work in partnership with the DCC and Telefonica. And mm. it was just such a huge change. Plus, it's where I did my agile training. Um, yeah. And that revolutionized my thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we didn't have to deliver changes all at the same time anymore. You could do it in bite sized chunks. Yeah incrementally keeping everybody happy your stakeholders because they could see delivery um it was just a real great time for me ian i loved my job at the time um and i I just developed a real huge passion for change and how we can do things differently yeah wow so So, yeah so you learned the the sort of the, the technical side of, of, of change uh, in, in a methodology and you had the chance to deploy some real industry-wide changes at the same time and were you were you as part of that were you talking to other industry parties other than just sort of internal stakeholders yes yeah, so um, it was all governed by Bayes um, so I, you know, I, I get involved in those meetings. The, the beauty about that change was it was such a new, innovative way of um, changing the way we consume and pay for our energy. Basically, mm. that 
we was all going through this huge learning curve together. You know, I can remember um, when we first started getting um, the data back from the meters. It was another language, Ian, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Some of the messages that came back, I can remember we'd sit there and we'd actually giggle at them. There was something about a soapbox and it was just such a great time um, yeah. to be working in that industry. Yes. And yeah, yeah it, it, like I said, you know, I, I can't, I can't emphasize how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, I remember, so I was working at Experian at the time, and I remember doing some work with Eon because they, they were certainly one of the four, at the forefront of smart metering uh, for the industry. And we were looking at uh, time of use data and all those sorts of things. And that was sort of back in, that had been sort of back in 2012, 2013. So think about now the the octopuses of this world that are really sort of pushing on with that and that's something that eon were talking about back in the early sort of um 2010s um yeah. so yeah they were certainly at the forefront of it and I, I i definitely remember those the language difference that that was going around at the time so yeah it's a it's a big old project and would have been an exciting time for you yeah, and it still go, still goes on. There's still a four-year plan to, you know, get everybody um, a, to have a smart meter installed. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about it, I worked on that project for almost five years, and um, that was back in 2014 to probably about 2019, maybe six years, yeah. and it's still going on. So <laughs> that just, you know, that just shows you the humongous task. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so thinking about now, uh, people coming out of um, university or school or looking for a career change, why, why would you sort of advise them to sort of step into change as a, as, as a career? What sort of advice would you have? Um, I mean, there's multiple opportunities. So change management is everywhere. It's needed in every business. Um, job satisfaction, um, projects using change management are six times more likely to meet or even exceed expectations and objectives. And it's such a good upward career tra trajectory. So I think I once um, heard that in the next five years, you know, we, we expect positions in the change world to increase by 50%, which is above average. Really? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I've said it already, um, disrupt or be disrupted. You know, there's so so many windows of opportunity in, in the digital world that we live in. I mean, I now work in IT and in the digital world. Um, it's frightening, you know, they're appearing every day. Um, and if you like people and you like to motivate people, if you like to have a clear framework that you can work to, you can deviate from, you may have to deviate from. If you want to think on your feet, um, be involved in strategy and change how the future will look. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a great play. It's just a great career to get into. No two days are the same. No two projects are the same. Um, and yeah, I just think, why not? Why not? You, you, you need so many skills. You learn every day. Um, and if you like to work with people, I just think it's the most p 
perfect job role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that people will be picking up on this, but as you're talking about it, your face changes dramatically. The, the smile on your face, the energy that's coming through. And, and people will hear that in, in your voice as they're listening to the podcast, but you can just see how your your body physically changes as you're talking about how how cool it is to be in, in this industry and to be a, a change expert. Yeah, I think it does. I'm quite passionate about it. Mm, you know, my role is to remove barriers um, and enable action. <clears throat> I mean, take... I mean, even the smallest of things, which are actually quite huge when you think about it, inefficient processes, um, you know, there's nothing more I love than to roll up my sleeves, sit within a business area and watch them do their job. Um, and then to find, just to pull out little little steps that aren't needed or change the way something's done, which can just save just a small amount of time um the amount of costs that that can save is quite incredible um then to get the people involved in that ask them what would you do differently why are you doing that and you know sometimes they don't even know um it's just a it's just a great circle to be in you know actually on the ground hitting the floor running and helping people change how they do their job basically yeah Um, yeah I just think it's brilliant. Um, you know, it hasn't got to come from management and I'll keep beating that same drum, Ian, because it's why I love change so much is is it's because real people doing the real job can get involved and make a difference. Reward and recognition, you know, I've set up a continuous improvement board where I'm working now. Um, and the idea is to get people from all over the business whatever they do as their day job to put forward their ideas for improvements. Every single person is listened to. Everybody is recognized and rewarded if we go, if I go ahead and implement the change that they're suggesting. But most importantly, I keep that person involved right through to the end so they can see how the change works. I'll do an impact assessment with them, benefit realisation afterwards with them. And it just gives them such a sense of belonging, Mm. most importantly, but a real strong purpose. Um, It really empowers people. And the idea is they go away, they share that with people. I'll write a news article about it and share that with the business so they get the name out there. And I want that to become business as usual. it's been going a year now and you know we, we have made some great savings and some great changes um but that's my aim this year to you know to drive that even even more forward than it is now um yeah. you know and it changes culture and it's a good yeah. culture and that's what that's what i'm after yeah oh wow that 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 does sound like it's starting to change the way in which things are done in 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 your business as well I guess yeah absolutely and and you know the beauty of that is that you know <clears throat> real senior management that they, they're up for this that they're behind it as well um we have an operational excellence board too you know they really are um investing in their people um and yeah that th- they know that 
employees are probably the most valuable asset. In fact, not probably, definitely the most valuable asset. Um, the business is about winning hearts and minds, um, yeah. you know, great place to work. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to change to enable yourself to get there. And, you know, senior leaders, the board all over, they, 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 they know that. Yes. Um, yeah. And I love that they empower me to, to do yeah. this kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. Oh, that sounds spot on. So if people were coming to this podcast today and they clicked on it and they've gone, right, change. We've gone all this time so far and not once have we mentioned a Gantt chart, which might be a bit of a myth buster for somebody coming to change brand new and you're smiling, I can see. Um, is that kind of one of the one of the sort of frustrations you have when you try and explain change, change to people that it's not filling in forms, it's not sort of holding people to a Gantt chart and saying we must deliver this thing on this day? Is that one of your, your frustrations? It has been in the past, but I think, you know, people now understand change much better than they did. And by people, I mean, you know, your senior management, mm -hmm. you, you, your board members, they understand now that change is very, very important. Um, I, you know, I've already said how much more likely your project is to fail if you haven't got change <clears throat> involved and behind behind the project. I think there's there's a place for paperwork and Gantt charts and project timelines, and I think more than anything now, because you can't just rely on data anymore. You've got to you've got to get people behind the change you've got to get people involved in the change I feel like a stuck record here Ian <laughs> but, um, because of that they know now change is better delivered when the culture's right and not necessarily at pace yeah um you you know you deliver change at pace you can miss miss out on so many things that mean you won't actually embed, embed that change yeah. it's one of the reasons why um you know, if you've got a senior stakeholder pushing for when's when when's it going to be delivered? I need this to be delivered. That's why agile um, is is so important because you can give your stakeholders them small incremental changes yeah. bit by bit. So they're seeing things reach that low hanging fruit. Um, but I just don't think it can be rushed. Ian, no, um, no. change, and I think as I said, going back to your original question, yes, there's a time and a place for paperwork, but it's more about doing the right thing for the people. Yeah. And and do you think that's the, you know, the what you witnessed as, as change has changed over the years is that sort of movement from kind of things have to be delivered to how do the people feel about exactly what's going on? Is that the biggest change for you? Definitely for me. It, like I said, you can't purely rely on data and facts. You just can't. You have to account for how people feel. Um, top-down change is about the only change we saw and yes. now see a lot more bottom-up change and and that's all that, that's how change has evolved it's just it's changed for the better change is changed for the better um yeah that as I said you know our people are the most important asset um so we need to promote a culture where people actively put forward their ideas for improvement keep them involved you, you never used to see that Ian um mm. It, like I said, it's a great culture. It's two-way communication, and it's about listening to people and acting on what they say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never used to see that. It, change was just done. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> some of my best sort of experiences in work have been when I felt like I've been listened to. And that could range, you know, across lots of different examples. But if you feel like you're being listened to and somebody values what you're saying, then, you know, you're, the way you feel about that place can skyrocket, can't it? 100%. 100%. And, you know, you know, workplaces do surveys every year and the change in workplaces from these surveys, you know, the outcome that comes out of it, that's what I keep hearing. You know, people are saying exactly what you've just said. Um, and that's where everybody needs to be. Mm. You know, we spend so much of our time um, at work, you know, and you want to be listened to. Yeah. You want to be heard, and absolutely that will make you feel valued if you are. And if you feel valued, you'll do a better job. You'll want to work harder. Yeah, absolutely. So so thinking about something a bit more practical for a moment, um, I'm a new change manager. I've, I've rocked up at your place. It's Monday or Tuesday morning, depending if it's a bank holiday. Um, and you're, you're sitting down with me and you're giving me some advice, you're sharing some of your experience and you're saying, well, hey, and here are the three things I think you should be focusing on as a, as a new change manager, as a, as a change manager. What, what, what would those three things be, do you think? Well, I'd like to say people, people and people, but we'll just keep the one people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I think inspiration. Yeah. Um, you have to have a creatively driven shared vision. Feedback is an important part of any change or improvement cycle. Um, engagement. So at the first opportunity, beyond the usual suspects, get more people involved. Um, that will help accelerate your change effort and it will be for the better. Um, if you do it right, you uncover leaders you never realised you even had. Um, so, yeah, I would say people, inspiration and engagement. Great. And, and how do you, when you think about as a change manager, being uh, inspiring people and being inspirational, how, how might I do that? What, what, do I, what do I do when I go out into the, into the teams to achieve that, do you think? I think you, you have to be transparent. You mm -hmm. have to be open and honest. You have to share the vision get people's feedback, make people feel included. Yeah. Um, you know, if people feel like they're contributing towards, you know, something bigger, you know, a strategy even, um, that if you can get that buy-in, you, you should prevent, and I say should prevent, resistance to change. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it is just a should present um, you, you're going to come across barriers, Ian, you know, course, and yeah. a change isn't going to suit everybody. No. Um, so it's just about listening. You, you know, you, I'm sure you've heard of the change curve um, and, you know, yeah. the way people, you know, we all feel it. We, you know, we all feel yeah. resistance to changes at certain times during our lives. Um, but I always take it back to the, you know, I try and, bring a real life situation I mean how often we do we change our mobile phones you know we're changing things constantly without mm. even realizing it so I, I try and you know bring in 
real life situations and it's just about talking and listening to people um so yeah more, more, it, a real good communication plan um get out there and see people face to face take your change on on the road Ian it, you know it's quite a powerful and mm. successful way of getting people t- into your store lay out your shop window and just just if people can understand why you're doing what you're doing and more importantly how they can help or how that's going to impact them you're halfway there yeah no I think it's I think it's spot on there and the, the the kind of description I have in my head as you're talking is that what you're embedding and how you're doing it is compassionate change and and my thinking behind that is that so as you as you suggest you know change can be hard for people if they're not included if they're not involved if they haven't had their voices heard but even even if all of that happens and something's changing and the the business is moving on and, and it's requiring more from you and it's gone from that family feel to something different you can still compassionately change things and you can still understand those those voices whilst having something to embed and and i just get the impression that that compassionate change is is something that kind of filters through everything that you do yeah i i think so ian um i think it it's got to be meaningful and if it's meaningful then i'm so passionate about it um and I really believe I can help people feel the same. And yeah, I, I think, you know, I've told you previously, I, I believe a lot of those skills that I have come from having a neurodiverse son. You know, he's helped me in so many ways. Um, he helped me change probably into the person I am today. Um, mm. And you're right, it comes from a place of compassion. Yeah. Yes, and I remember you mentioning him when we when we first chatted a, a month or so ago, and how that really helped you in in the workplace and and change how you were managing people even. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it it just gave me a drive and a passion to want to help people, you know, who were similar to my son, um, you know, and I, it just helped me. It gave me the skills, so I was able to identify people that may be struggling who weren't necessarily um putting forward their ideas um actually some people that others had even maybe written off i wanted to help i really wanted to help and i was quite successful in that arena as well um i love round peg square holes um and i I just think that's why i'm so suited to the job that i'm doing yeah. Um, you know, I'm able to consider a wider range of people. I'd like to think I consider everyone. Um, that's a very big task. You know, um, I try my very best. Um, and if I don't, you know, we're all human. Um, I am absolutely open to feedback. I want feedback because it's it's how I can improve and it's how I can change. Yes. Um, so really important yeah no i think you're right i think you're right so bringing bringing the 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 podcast around then to a to a close i'm really interested in you've witnessed lots of changes 
industry-wise, lots of changes, change industry-wise over the years. Where do you think the changes will come in the industry in, in the coming years? And what I mean coming years, we could be 5, 10, 15 years into the future. How do you think we're going to move on again um, as far as change is concerned? I think it's a scary world out there. Um, so um, naturally, the pandemic catapulted the future of work towards where we are today. Yeah. Um, so new work patterns were formed during the crisis and they are our new normal. But I still think that will continue to evolve. To evolve sorry. Yeah. In fact, I think um, in business and technology and the way employees work, the way, the when and the why and with whom, um, that will change so much over the next decade, which means for me, I will have to apply more innovative and interactive remote learning and communication methods. Um, I'm already having to apply more gamification techniques in the changes that I do. Um, change experts that rethink, reshape and reinvent themselves will be best placed for the future. Um, we need to include learning from real-time data and integrating both the physical and the virtual worlds. Um, we'll need to investigate how the regular use of AI and smart software and robots um, will invigorate our change and work strategies. Um, smart machines and technology continue at pace, Ian, um, yes. and I think that's where the biggest change is going to come from. <clears throat> um, more jobs are automated. Computers are computing in a way that I certainly didn't think was possible. Um, and I think as far as change is concerned, we need to concentrate on upskilling and in general, employee development, and that will be the biggest change. Yeah. I believe digital dexterity will probably outweigh tenure and experience. So employees will have to apply creative, critical thinking and constant digital upskilling to solve complex problems. And that can only come from training and development. Yeah, no, there's some really good points there. Um, I'm, mm. I'm looking forward to the virtual reality meetings that we end up in. I know, I know. What about you? What do you think? How do you think? Um, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned some really good points there, and I think the it's, it's we're in we're in an interesting junction at the moment, and it still feels like there's some there's some changes to be had. You know, we're out of way out of lockdown, and it kind of feels like did COVID actually happen? But we're just, we've, we've learned some lessons. We've got some scars as a result of COVID. We still have some fears about it, but we're, we're going about our business now broadly uh, as if it didn't happen, whilst also doing things online now that we never did before. So we've, we've kind of kept some of those things that we had to do during COVID, realized, oh, we don't have to be face-to-face -face all the time. And we don't, we don't need those hour-long workshops to achieve the productivity that we we needed but but it, it still fascinates me how working in the office or working out of the office it's not just a productivity culture conversation it seems to be a political conversation as well around some people thinking well it, it's about you know feeling strong that you can go into an office or feeling weak that you can't and I just find that it's a really, I'm curious as to how we've ended up in that situation where getting to the office is a strong-minded way of looking at things and working from home means you're, you know, living a life in fear rather than yeah. anything else. It's just, 
it blows my mind actually that you can't just see through this and, and sort of cut cut the line through it. You just kind of go, well, never mind all of that. Let's think about the best way of, of getting the talent into our organizations. And the, the point you make earlier around if the talent is working when they want, where they want, that's a great start for me. And, and certainly the companies I work with, that's the, the starting point for getting talent is are you limiting yourself by saying to people, you must be in an office because the, the talent you can get access to, not just in the UK, but globally right now, if you don't need them in an office, then the talent is just, is, it's an amazing place to go. So I think that global conversation is changing as well. I'm, I'm working with some, some folks in New Zealand, some folks in, in, in America, and, and I think you can, you can really open up so I think I think technology is going to move us forward, but the people side of it needs to move on a bit more again. And and listening to the way you're talking about change and that compassionate change, I think is a is a great step on for us. And if, if we can carry on using that and focusing on, yes, technology should do all the heavy lifting for us, but the people that design the technology that use the technology can't be missed missed out from that process. 100% agree with you, Ian. And just to pick up on that point, you're right. Um, you know, I see more and more jobs for change managers and change specialists from all, for all over the world now mm. because we can work remotely. Um, so the opportunities that that's opened up are outstanding. Um, you know, again, for anybody that wants to come into the change world, um, the world's your oyster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that... On that techno technology and, and VR and the, the different things we can do online now, I mean, I'd, it's it's very irregular these days that I get a phone call meeting, like a like an, a ye old fashioned teleconference. I can't remember the last time I had a a conference call like that. It's all it's all face to face in this way now. I think. Yeah, um, I, it's something I've always been quite comfortable with, actually. Um, you know, meeting like this. I mean, you know, meeting anyway, but, you know, when we first went into the pandemic and I, I know a lot of colleagues that struggled with that, um, mm. even the whole camera on, camera off thing, yes. you know, to be honest with you, I, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, I think you, you can get a lot from a person's voice, um, you know, which is why you do these fantastic podcasts. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I um, just to, to finish off on that, I, I did a, a a LinkedIn post where we were in the middle of of the sort of lockdowns, and it was that camera on, camera off question, um, because I I just had a call with somebody with a camera on, and we had a conversation that we would never have had if we'd been face to face. In in the background, there was a there was a um a, a sports uh, jersey that they had that was quite unique and I would never have got that they were a fan of that that club if I'd met them in person it would have it would probably have taken me well I, I just don't know how how long it would have taken me to get to that point and there was a there was a shared sort of membership to that to that to that club between us both that we instantly although we just met we we clicked immediately because of that that we would just never have got to that stage so, so you know, it's a personal choice to think that camera on, camera off. But I just, 
think there's an opportunity there to share in something that you you would never get from a meeting room. Again, I couldn't agree more with you. I got to know during the pandemic, I was actually um, managing a contact centre. Um, and I got to know so much about the people that were working for me that I never would have, never, ever would have known had we just been in the office. Yeah. And it was from something in the background or, you, you know, the homeschooling was going off, seeing one of the children. You know, I just got to know people so much better. Yeah. Yes. And to bring that around and to end the podcast for today, Fiona, I think it is that thread of people, isn't there? And the more you understand people and the more you get to know people, the easier it is to change what's going on and to have them involved in the change that's going on in, in their work lives because you just you just get it. They get you, you get them. Yeah. It's a better it's a better experience all around, I think. Yeah, it's a trust thing, Ian, in a nutshell. Um so yeah, you build trust and yeah, you you you're winning. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good place to end things, actually, if you're always that that trust. I really enjoyed today. It's uh, it's exceeded my expectations as far as what I think people will learn from listening to the podcast. Um, lots as far as lot, lots more around people that I was expecting that I think people would expect um, from a change expert, and that's the that's the great thing. That passion really comes across, and to end on well, change is building up trust essentially. If you've got trust, then people will will you know break down a wall for you in going through that change, and you can only achieve trust if you understand people, if they understand you, if you're out there, if you're engaging people, and it's bringing everything together that you've said today to end on building trust. A real perfect soundbite to end the podcast, Fiona. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. Really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, Fiona. So as always, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we're here to help make a difference. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, www.futureleaders.com, and follow us on LinkedIn. But for now, goodbye, and we'll speak again soon.